Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 8th, and we're talking small and mid-cap tech stocks. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Brian Feroldi. Brian, great to have you back on the show. Great to be here, Dylan. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, so you were on, I think, uh, in mid or late April, and I brought you on so we could talk about some small cap tech stocks that you're really excited about. And lo and behold, we got some really awesome listener feedback from that show. I think people like the idea of uh, getting some new stocks for their watch list, maybe hearing about some names that we don't normally talk about. You're back on today to do it again. Sounds great. Can't wait. So, before we really got going last time, we talked a little bit about kind of your investment investment philosophy and some of the things that you tend to look at with companies. Why don't we do a quick refresher on that? Sure. I I uh, I generally like to look for obviously small companies that have built themselves some kind of moat. I I am extremely favorable towards companies that have very predictable revenue. So their revenue is is uh, recurring, and I like to see that it's growing every year. Um, I love to invest in businesses that I think have a scalable platform. So that means that as their revenue growth grows, their costs will fall as a percentage of revenue, which kind of leads to outsized gains on on the bottom line. I like to see um, founders that are also still involved. They own a significant portion of stock. The company is you know gets good reviews from employees, all that kind of stuff. One thing that we did leave out last time we were talking that I think might be good to kind of uh, footnote here is um, the idea of valuation with some of these businesses. So a lot of these companies we're going to be looking at because they're smaller, um, they are staring at a very large growth runway and they fail a lot of kind of traditional valuation metric exercises. So so I think it's important to kind of understand that when we're looking at these companies, yes, valuation plays some role, but really we're looking at kind of what they capture uh, currently and what their total addressable market looks like and kind of what the ramp looks like for those businesses. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I can tell you just looking at my own personal investing history, some of the best investments that I've ever made, like the best companies that I've ever purchased, at the time that I was purchasing them, the stock was at a 52-week high, and the valuation just looked crazy by any, any normal metric that you can look at. The price-to-sales ratio, the price-to-cash flow, the price-to-earnings, anything like that, a value investor would just look at it and say, I want no part of it. So because of that, I've learned that if I like everything about a business, um, I never let valuation be something that keeps me out of investing in it. All right. Why don't we talk about one of these first businesses that you like? This is a name that I think some folks, particularly in cities, might be familiar with. Uh, that's Grubhub. Yeah, I think this is a company uh, of the three we're going to talk about that uh, a lot of people have uh, have already heard of and used. Um, so Grubhub is a leading platform for ordering takeout from uh, from local restaurants. So these guys have about 14.5 million users. They have 1,600. Um, they're operating in 1,600 cities. And they have more than 80,000 restaurants that are participating on their platform. Um, so you add all those numbers together, and they literally uh, fulfill more than 400,000 orders every single day on their app and website. And they own, so, they own quite a portfolio of um, different properties in this space, right? It is not just that they own their kind of Grubhub main platform. 
Correct. They, they've been quite acquisitive over the last few years. Um, so they own a couple of companies that uh, listeners might be familiar with, like it's Seamless, uh, Eat24, All Menu, All Menus, Menu Pages. Um, and they also have a, a partnership deals with a lot of other big uh, tech companies, such as um, Yelp, uh, Foursquare, uh, payment processors like Venmo and NCR. And more recently, they've been partnering directly with restaurant brands themselves. Uh, such as Yum Brands, which owns KFC and Taco Bell, and Jacket Box are two companies that they recently partnered with to uh, to offer delivery. So beyond just the kind of conventional e-commerce, you know, like flip to mobile experience that we're seeing with a lot of kind of general consumer traffic, why do you like this business so much? So, so in general, I think that uh, con- this company is all about convenience for users and. Uh, I'm, I'm just a believer that over time, more people are going to want to have food delivered to them. Uh, if you think about kind of the traditional delivery model, most people where they live, they have two choices for delivery. It's either Chinese food or or pizza. Um, so these guys are trying to expand that to include way more restaurants so that diners can really get any any food that they want delivered to them. And the reason that I like Grubhub in particular is because I think that the home delivery market is is going to naturally become a winner take most type of type of market. Um, what I mean by that is whoever is the top dog, the number one player, and offers the most restaurants on their platform is naturally going to be a site that consumers will go to when they're hungry. Consumers want choice. Um, so if one if Grubhub has the most restaurants that are listed locally, that's a natural attraction. And the same works for uh, restaurants. So restaurants want to be on the platform that has the most diners. So right now, Grubhub is the top dog in this industry, and they're really kind of protected by almost double-sided network effects that they, they attract the most diners, and that in turn attracts the most restaurants, and both of those numbers can grow uh, exponentially. Yeah, the strategy here kind of reminds me of what we see with Match in the dating space, right? Where you have this one property that has basically said, we're going to buy up anything that looks attractive in this space and just kind of put it under our umbrella. And that's exactly what they've done. They, they've been ve- that, that's the reason they've been highly acquisitive. The, the management team here, this company is, is um, run by its uh, founder and CEO. They realize that you have to be the top dog, you have to be the number one player um, to, to attract the, the most uh, customers. So that's one reason why they've been so acquisitive. And one strategy that they use to kind of grow the supply side, the, rest, the restaurants that sign up, is they actually don't charge restaurants a subscription fee or any sort of fee for listing on their site. Uh, instead, restaurants get charged, and Grubhub makes money, um, a, a commission on each food sale that's, that they pay. So restaurants pay about a 15% commission, and so it's like it's almost a no-brainer for them to sign up. There's, there's very little risk. They can sell full-priced food uh, out of their kitchen to diners that would not have dined with them anyway. So that's one reason why restaurants are just flocking to Grubhub. In addition to having the most diners, it's it's there's like almost no financial risk for them to to join. Yeah, when you first put this put this company on my radar, I saw that number of you know eighty thousand restaurants participating at the moment, and I was like, okay, well, you know, how many restaurants are there in the United States? I did a quick search, and I've seen some ballparks around six hundred thousand. And so I know over the last maybe three or four years, they've doubled that restaurant number. To think that that is kind of what's in front of them still makes me think that there's a lot of growth in this industry, and there's a lot of growth to be had for Grubhub specifically. Yeah. So last year, Grubhub processed about three billion dollars worth of total food sales. Uh, management believes that their addressable market opportunity 
uh, currently is about $200 billion. So if you, if you believe that number, they've essentially scratched about 1% of their market opportunity. And it, that, while that $3 billion was kind of total gross food sales, you know, uh, Grubhub takes, takes a cut of that. Um, but their, their revenue is just growing extremely quickly um, because of in part of acquisitions and also just more customers and more restaurants signing up. So one of the reasons that I really like Grubhub is it is definitely it's definitely the leader in this this industry. It's definitely growing. Uh, their founder is is currently the CEO. He's still running the show. And as small as Grubhub is, they are already profitable and they've been profitable for several several years. And they're generating cash. And last you know last year their profits grew by 68 percent. So th- this is a company that's absolutely growing very very quickly. And their their company is regarded as a as a pretty good place to work. Their CEO gets gets great reviews. So I know we talked about valuation earlier. There's no doubt that Grubhub is expensive. Uh, Grubhub's currently valued at about 13 times sales, 92 times trailing earnings. But this is one. This is a company that I think is very high quality. It's a leader, and it has so much room for for growth that I, I think that it's a good buy, even way up here. So that was a super strong bull pitch there, Brian. Is there anything that you see on the horizon that really worries you about this business? Yeah, I, I think um, the, the the biggest threat longer term is is competition. Now, I said before that this is. I think this is a winner takes takes most market, um, but. There are a couple of very strong competitors that are trying to get in here. Uh, one of them is a little company called Uber, <laughs> and they have their platform called Uber Eats, which is trying to do home delivery. Another, another one is Square, and they have a, a what's called their Caviar service, which also loves food delivery. So these these are well-financed companies with tech talent and and big resources. So if if they do want to make a big push, it could kind of hurt Grubhub. Uh, having said that, I think that Grubhub has a big enough lead that they'll still be able to grow even with these competitors, but that's certainly something to keep an eye on. All right, company number two on your watch list right now is another software pure play business, and that is Blackline. I'm guessing this is a name that people aren't quite as familiar with. Why don't you walk us through what they do? Yeah, so this is kind of a back office software as a service company that is fo- focused on the sexy world of accounting <laughs> software. So, uh, if you're not in accounting, and and I'm certainly not, um, you might not be aware that the accounting industry is basically boom or bust. So um, I think people know at tax time, accountants just go crazy trying to get everything processed on time. But uh, the reality is that every every month and every quarter, um, the accountants have to go look back at what their company did and kind of uh, reconcile all that information to do a period end close. So they take all of the internal um, financial transactions that have happened, and they have to basically translate that into financial statements that can be used by the senior management team. And this happens at public companies and private companies. So it's almost like things are generally quiet during during you know the, the regular uh, work week, and then at the period close, it's just crazy hours and a mad dash for them to grab all this financial information and then turn it into reports and records that are needed um, to to produce the documents that are needed. And this um, is the this is the point where the entrepreneur goes, but there's an easy solution, right? Like this is this is the turn in the pitch where where it becomes this is what we do for you, right? Absolutely. So the 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 founder of this company uh, was actually an, an accountant herself, and she became so frustrated with the the way that accounting was done that she kind of built this business uh, herself from the ground up. So their solution 
is to take that process, that boomer bust cycle, and to automate as much as much of it as possible into and turn it into something which they call the continuous close. So think of think of accounting basically as it works right now as batch, where kind of um, data is aggregated and stored up, and then accountants race to kind of turn that into the financial statements. Blackline basically provides software that in real time processes, analyzes, reports, and confirms all transactions that happen in a company that makes the, the closing process, the monthly close, far more efficient for CFOs and, and accountants. So it really, it, uh, it kind of takes chaos and turns it into a, its easy, seamless process. For software businesses, that's where a lot of money seems to be made. You know, when it when it's taking something that is incredibly complicated and making it easy. Brian, this company reminds me a little bit of a company you talked about last time. Uh, that was Appfolio. You know, that that was a business that worked within kind of a small defined space. For them, it was the legal field and the real estate management field. Uh, you know, Blackline works in accounting, but but I see a lot of similarities with these companies. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, both these companies are kind of attacking what you would think would be. Uh, niche small markets, but um, I will point out that uh, Blackline, you know, they they're they're targeting uh, much bigger companies. So Appfolio was was focused on really small uh, players. Appfolio kind of targets companies with fifty million dollars and up in in revenue. Um, so I would point that out as a, a little difference between the two. When you look at the books for this business, what specifically do you like? So this company just checks almost every box with something that I look for in, in a great companies, uh, great companies. So, um, their business model is software as a service, which means that they have just almost all of their revenue is recurring in nature. Um, and their, they, their revenue retention rate, which means how much revenue they earn from a customer from one year to the next was 110% last quarter. So just within the customers that they already have, they grew 10%. So when you add on new customers that come on to the other uh, platform, their total revenue growth last year was 34%. Now these guys are still pretty pretty small. Their revenue last year was 190 million dollars, but they've grown big enough that they just recently reached. Um, they generate positive cash flow and they've uh, and they've generated positive non-GAAP earnings, which kind of strips out stock-based compensation. And then uh, their balance sheet is just squeaky clean, 112 million in cash less than a million dollars in debt and I really like that their CEO is uh, is still run, is the founder still running the show and she actually owns about 11% of all shares outstanding so shareholders are extremely aligned with with her I want to go back to that revenue retention rate number for a second uh, because I think that this is kind of an important concept when you're looking at software businesses and why they're so attractive to investors. So you put it that way as you know if they didn't grow at all via new customers they would still have grown 10%. It's also a testament to them doing something right and not having to have these blockbuster product releases to hit numbers for following quarters, right? Like it's basically if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be able to post this growth. Absolutely, uh, the, the the software industry calls this the land and expand strategy. Whereas you get your foot in the door with 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 a solution, and then once that once you have a customer, it's very easy to upsell them on new products or to have them say roll out this solution from one office to multiple offices and just that that's a very very easy way to uh, to to post put post growth so you talked about the competitive risks a little bit uh, with Grubhub is that something that's a concern for blackline like what are you worried about with this company yeah so this is this is the company that uh, when I was reading through the 10k 
uh, there's always a section on competitors and almost every 10k you'll ever read always says we operate in an intensely competitive industry like every (laughs) every industry will say that what jumped out to me when I was reading Black Blacklines uh, annual report, was they literally list two competitors. One is a sort of direct competitor, and another is a is a small division within Oracle. So these guys are basically the only ones that are doing what they're doing in this in this field that is just built for growth. So the, to me, the biggest risk with them is that their solution fails to ignite uh, get CFOs to switch over in time. But from what from what I've seen thus far and their revenue growth as it is, I'm 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 very comfortable that they'll be able to continue doing that. All right, we've got one more company to cover, and we're going to talk about that on the second half of the show. But before we get over to that, support for industry focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, Brian, we've got one more for people's watch lists, and this one is quite a bit smaller uh, than the other ones we've discussed. Uh, you know, uh, Blackline was a $2 billion company. Grubhub about a ten billion dollar company. This is a about three hundred million dollar company. Yeah, these guys are teeny, teeny, tiny. But um, so the company we're going to talk about is called MyTech Systems, and the ticker is M I T K. Um, but although they're very, very small, I would wager that the majority of people that are listening to this podcast have actually used MyTech's, have benefited from MyTech's products, and they don't even know it. So. MyTech is a leading provider of mobile image capture and identity verification software. So their bread and butter is um, they they partner with more than 6,000 financial institutions, companies like PayPal, Morgan Stanley, TD Bank, and they kind of power their, their app to allow customers to make mobile check deposits right from their phone. So they kind of run the software that take, take, turns the camera and allows it to take a picture of a, of a, of a check and allow you to deposit it um, right, right within the app itself. This, so, is a, this is a company that I'm thrilled exists as, as someone that hates going to the ATM. I 100% agree with you. In fact, um, I was a Bank of America customer myself for many, many, many years, and I made the switch to an online-only bank specifically when this technology became available because I, the only reason I ever went to my local branch was to deposit a check. So once I could deposit a check from my home, I basically switched to an online-only bank and haven't looked back. And it seems like the strength here with, with this company is in working with all of these kind of legacy banking companies, right? They have partnerships with PayPal, Morgan Stanley, TD. Uh, they seem like they're pretty rooted in this industry, and that's what gives them a lot of the stability that they have. Absolutely. So, so their their market share in mobile check caching is estimated to be above ninety percent. So, in essence, if you use mobile check caching, you are probably using MyTech's uh, software. And they have six thousand financial customers, which is just a huge number. But it's almost a no-brainer move for banks to partner with them. And the reason is, when you deposit a check via uh, your, your mobile phone, it is literally ten times cheaper for a bank to process it that way than through an in-person transaction at a branch. And it's four times cheaper to do it from a mobile uh, mobile deposit than it is even at an ATM. 
So my tech solution is just saving banks huge dollars on customer deposits. It's kind of interesting to me that the banks haven't ever decided to do this themselves. They've, they've just kind of all voted that it's easier to find a provider that does it for them. I, I think that's exactly the case. You know, banks aren't necessarily technology experts, and you can imagine that getting the the technology behind this right is is absolutely is absolutely critical. Um, so I think it's just easier and cheaper for them to partner than it is to uh, to build it itself. So looking at the stock chart for this business, um, it has been up and down quite a quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, it seems like there are both some really great factors pushing this business. Uh, you know, I think their their penetration rate is super low right now for for mobile check caching, um, but also there are some industry tailwinds that maybe they're not participating in. What are you seeing as strengths and weaknesses with them? So. So the strengths that I see is that these guys are the leader, the, the dominant, the, the dominant player, and right now only about three percent of checks that are processed um, in in the U.S. are done via via mobile. So given the convenience for consumers and the cost savings for banks, I can absolutely see that as a huge growth opportunity for them. And I think that these guys have been public for quite some time. But this mobile this check cashing business that they've got into, they only really developed got into in the last in the last several years. So um, if you look at their stock chart over the last couple of years, once they got into that, that's when this business has really caught fire. Um, and this and the the reason that I really I, I really think this business is worth checking out is mobile cash uh, mobile check cashing is absolutely a growth industry for them. But it's not their only business. They they are currently taking their their software, their camera detection software, and they're entering the ID verification business. So you can imagine that you'd use your your phone or some kind of visual image to verify somebody's ID. So you could look at a passport. You could use it for a driver's license. You could use it for an ID card. Obviously, that is super important for banks to do as ID verification gets more gets more prevalent. But there's a number of industries that are interested in this technology. You, I could easily see it being used in like um, healthcare, uh, telecommunications, e- uh, education. Th- that that's what I think really excites me about this business is there's a lot of optionality for them to use their software in other applications. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because my view in looking at this company was that I was probably the least bullish on it out of the three we're talking about today, and that's really because I think about my own consumer behavior and. Aside from maybe cashing a check from grandma or something like that, I haven't really used checks all that much in the last couple of years. For the most part, it has been you know mobile payments using Venmo, using PayPal, and that's how money transfers happen for me. I'm sure there are a lot of consumers that are also looking at the landscape that way. That said, uh, I'm guessing there are also a lot of legacy consumers that are using the the old way of doing things, cashing checks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, my my, my parents and my, my my grandparents, they still send me physical checks in the mail whenever my kids have a birthday. The um the daycare that I used to take my children's to, they only accepted actual physical checks. Um so I, I agree with your sentiment that long term the number of checks in circulation will continue to go down. However, I think there are so many there are just millions of consumers out there that they're they're happy to write checks for the rest of their life. And since this company only has three percent market share, uh, even if the overall pie decreases slightly over time, these guys still have an enormous runway within check caching. And then when you layer in the ID verification on top of that, um, I mean, they, they've thrown out that they think that could be that, that their total addressable market there is $18 billion. This, this is a company that literally last year, between ID verification, 
and check depositing generated $45 million in revenue. So there is still a tremendous room for this company to grow. Brian, before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Of the three we talked about today, which one are you the most interested in? Well, I can tell you that uh, I think Grubhub is fantastic, but the, the if, if there was a concern, it would be the, the competition. Uh, for my tech, I guess my biggest concern there would be that some company like Apple or you know some big tech company kind of usurps them with some new technology. I don't think either of that's going to happen, um, but if I had to pick one, I would definitely go with Blackline. If for no other reason, then I just don't see any comp- any competitor out there that's that's doing what they're doing, and just I just like everything about that business. All right. Well, thanks for hopping on, Brian. Uh, we will have you on again soon to talk about stocks that are on your radar. Sounds like a plan. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions, or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com, or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on. Cool